0: You are listening to The Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and co-owner of Sacred Chill West. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. Be sure to listen to the end of today's episode to find out how you can join the next virtual meditation class for free. Welcome to the Mindful Minute Podcast. Before we get started with today's class, a quick moment to thank our incredible sponsor, Gozafu. Gozafu created a, in my opinion, brilliant product. It is a small, lightweight, portable meditation cushion that is meant for outdoor use. If you are a hiker, a camper, a nature lover, and are looking to find a comfortable way to meditate on the go, this easy little box, it looks almost like a lunch box. really lightweight, durable fabric, nice loops. You clip it right on your pack. You can go and stop anywhere you wanna stop and practice. I use it in my personal practice quite a bit. I hope you start using it. You can save 10% by using code MINDFUL10, M I N D F U L one zero by visiting gozafu.com, G O Z A F U.com. Use code MINDFUL10 to save 10%. Okay, Sean Moore, welcome. <laughs> Thank
1: you for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad
0: to have you today. I you know it's funny because, as I was going through your bio and thinking about what are we going to talk about today? what questions do I want to ask you? you do so much, so much in in your professional life in what I'm guessing is your personal life and how the two mesh together and so i would I'd love to start just by asking you a little bit about your own experience with meditation, how you fell into it, and what your practice looks like,
1: sure, sure, so. This goes back ages to high school, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> my my initial meditation practice started um, when I was in high school, and this was back in maybe 2003, 2004. Um, so AP or IB English, we were uh, given a book to read called Siddhartha by Herman Hess. And it's a um, fictional retelling of the story of the Buddha. And it was the book that sparked my interest, particularly in Buddhism, which then linked me specifically to meditation. So at, when I read the book, like I, I flew through the book. Like this, I was like, this is amazing. Like this, this telling of someone's journey of really figuring out how they plan to show up in the world, it really resonated with me, particularly, I think this was my junior year of high school, going into my senior year, trying to figure out like, College, is that a thing? What I'm about to do? Independence, it just spoke really to this being open to whatever the journey to be moving forward. And so from there, it just gave me the ability to really start doing some independent research around Buddhism. And then from there, it was like, oh, well, Buddhists meditate. Let me try this. And I tried it out a few times, you know, just my own practice, just sitting and just really kind of being with it. I used to always go to Barnes and Noble's after school and I used to just, you know, I didn't have enough money for my after school job to purchase some of the books and treat Barnes and Noble's like a library and read books about meditation. And that's kind of how I cobbled together my practice. And then over the years, you know, I've had an off and on relationship with it in which I would, you know, be very consistent and on point with my practice in that way. And then, you know, they go long stints without actually being able to practice. But the times in which I was able to lean on and work through my practice, it helped me balance kind of all the things that I'm doing. Right. That's, uh, and you know, sometimes I think about too, I was like, I do do a lot. (laughs) And that's been something even in undergrad, you know, I was balanced of being involved in student organizations, internships, different opportunities and meditation in that space really helped me one tap into different creative spaces to manage some anxiety um, that came with being, you know, this busybody. this, you know, always joke and say like, I'm a type A personality, underneath this cool exterior. But in reality, it helped me manage that, that anxiety of balancing, you know, playing the balancing act in life. And I would say in the last, hmm, since I've been in Atlanta, so it's almost been about six or seven years, that's where my practice has kind of really solidified in, uh, you know, a daily practice, growing it and incorporating different modalities in that way to really be of um, service in that way. And really growing that, through the lens of the Buddhist perspective um, and approach to meditation. Uh, at the end of last year, I took my Buddhist vows or refuge vows um, in the Shambhala lineage of Buddhism. And that's really also kind of served as a kind of recommitment to um, sitting and developing and really putting the work in, in my sitting practice.
0: And so, what does your sitting practice look like today? Do you sit daily? Do you sit a couple times a week? What, what's your practice like?
1: Um, I guess I would have two different, and it would look, it looked different pre-quarantine and pre-COVID. Uh-huh. Uh, um, <laughs> it was definitely, you know, sitting, um, one, I, I like to have something guide my, my sitting practice. So, you know, whether there's a book that I'm reading excerpts from, you know, I like to read a lot of books from Pema children. I would read excerpts and let that guide my sitting practice. But now what I've found, covid covid practice it's almost like re- there's been a real interesting integration of a lot of different practices to now make up what is a sustainable what i'm finding is a healthier practice now and so you know you know maybe in the morning there's there's meditation in the afternoon there's some nidra and then you know or one day i might not sit and i might just relax and read in a in a very mindful way or let me pull out my sound instruments and actually play for myself for an hour. So it's really been, a, um, I would say in the last few months, an integration of a lot of different practices to make up what is my sitting practice.
0: That's um, I've had the exact same experience. It's so interesting <laughs> to listen to as as this, um, you know, quarantine time has sort of gone on and on and on my practices have shifted in the beginning, I think out of pure anxiety, I was meditating three, sometimes four times a day, just in 10 minute chunks. But I was like, I got to mm-hmm. sit down right now and reground. And then it started to morph. And now it's really like my typical morning practice always is a sit, usually somewhere in the 20, 25 minute range. But then in the afternoon, I found myself doing the same thing. I'm either doing a guided relaxation or a yoga nidra practice, just mm-hmm. something midday to sort of help me feel a little bit more restful and easeful and also sort of prepare myself for whatever's coming the second half of the day and see.
1: <laughs> you, you, you definitely. That's, that's how I feel. It's like, it's almost like our practices are almost creating that structure in the day that we might not have now in this quarantine space. Because, you know, we're used to, and I think sometimes we forget how important certain types of structures can be, right? Like even thinking about the idea like, okay, I know there's a transition in me getting work, sitting in the office, and there's a transition in me driving home, and there's a transition in me grabbing lunch. And it's like, when we're at home, it all just feels like it blurs. And so for me, to your point about like something midday to get me ready for the second part of the day, it almost creates a different structure and a different change in the energy around, okay, you know what? I've I've done a lot of work this morning, afternoon, I'm gonna use a practice to help ground me and recenter me as I begin to work on some graphic design work. It's almost like a pivot point for the day to allow you to kind of work in and through a different space. And so that's, that's kind of how it's really been showing up for me in that way. It's like, it's been helpful to break up some of the monotony that can happen in the day um, really working from home and really being trying to be intentional about staying home um, in those particular ways, but it does just invite in a different level of intention and a different energy in, into the day. That's really helpful.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you are a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. You're super creative and talented. And <laughs> Thank you it. also mentioned that, you know, your meditation practice is one of the tools you use to support that creativity. And it's one of the places that I'm so interested in is this intersection of a mindfulness practice or a practice of going inside to tap into that creative element. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you find that relationship, what works for you and, and how it feeds your creative life.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting that that from this perspective, you know, it's something I didn't realize that fed into it until maybe recently and that I was like, oh wow, it's like creating that space for you to actually think and process allows you to then be able to use that in different ways. Because what I find is that, and especially from the from a graphic designer perspective, right? We're staring at the computer, we're looking at it. My clients submit creative briefs. So they submit, I'm looking for logos X, Y, Z, and it does all these things. It's great. So then taking that information, sometimes it's helpful just to create a space, a safe space to us. And so that's like, for me, meditation or any stillness practice creates some Uh, space to digest and a space to process the information in a different way, even to the point that after my, my, some of my practices, I sketch, right. And that, and maybe not journal, maybe not write down words, but it provides me a space to sketch. It's like, Oh, in that space, I realized that I can integrate this color blue into your design because it represents the direction of your business. And so I use some of that, that visualization that can come in in different stillness practices, um, particularly um, meditation. And then sound healing actually really helps for the creative process as well because of how we typically internalize or visualize that sound as it kind of enters our, our stillness space. And so, That's been the biggest thing that's been able to help. It creates a really comfortable and safe space to process.
0: And so you're going right where I want to go, which is to talk (laughs) about sound healing, which is something. um, So you are a sound healer Mm -hmm. and at Sacred Chill, you were doing weekly sound baths for us that were incredible. And I, you know, sound bath seems to be the word du jour over this last maybe year, (laughs) 18 months or so, I feel like it's coming up more and more. We're seeing this as an offering in the mindfulness community or the meditation community and yoga communities. So talk to us a little bit about what what does sound healing mean? What does it mean to go to a sound bath? And how would that relate to somebody who has only done a formal seated meditation practice?
1: Yeah, so I I think, a great space to start with that is that i think sound baths provide um a different level of assist in that stillness practice right that i what in my conversations with folks who come to sound baths and are interested in really trying to develop or start a practice i think it becomes a easy way for them to maybe ease into that space because in reality, the sound, I always say you have a few anchors in your in your practice, right? When you're beginning uh, or doing meditation or particularly dealing with sound, right? We know you can anchor yourself in your practice through your breath. You can anchor yourself in your practice through your intention, but also the sound serves as an anchor into the practice, right? And so that if you know that maybe I'm coming into the practice with a very busy mind and you know, there's a lot of things happening, which is normal, that you can relinquish some of that to just focus in on the sound and let the sound just kind of do the work for you in the practice. And so when we think about sound healing, sound healing is a great way to bring the body back into a harmonious state. And, you know, it's rooted in Nada yoga and Nada yogis tend to believe that everything in the universe is created or comprised of of vibrations um, and different resonant frequencies. And so we marry that with the scientific side and we know that everything's made up of energy. Sound is energy, our bodies are energy. And so the sound that is created in the soundscape of a sound bath is just really designed to really affect the body on one auditory level, but even on a cellular level. And it it, um, allows us to really fall into a deeper state of relaxation because we're just really relinquishing some of that pressure and just relaxing into the sound. Um and allowing that to really do the work and just really relax. And so even if, you know, it may be a struggle with allowing the body to just settle and relax, you're still receiving the benefits because it's affecting the body. Um, every cell in the body, it's affecting your the, that energy in that way. And so um, it's a really great practice to have people really sit and really just kind of be in the moment and um, relax in that way.
0: You know, the first sound bath I did, The thing I found so interesting about it is when you're in person and you're doing it, the sound is loud, you know, especially if you're up close by those bowls, the sound is really all encompassing. You feel it physically vibrating through you. It's very loud in your ears and it's so present that you really can't do anything but listen Mm -hmm. to the sound. And then somehow, some way you stop listening And I can't, you know, it's so fascinating because of course the same thing seems to happen in meditation when you're not Mm -hmm. using sound is the thoughts are so loud, they're so present. And yet if you learn how to stay with it, somehow they stop being so loud and so present, even though they're still there, they're still happening. They just no longer are the forefront of the experience. And so sound gave me another lens to view that through because it Mm -hmm. was you know, you don't get so uptight about sound. When people try to meditate and you start thinking, you're like so uptight about it, right? Because, oh my God, I'm not supposed to be thinking. It's supposed to be peaceful. And so, sound was this way to be like, I don't have to, like, that's, there's supposed to be sound here. I'm not supposed yep. <laughs> to fight with sound. I can let myself listen. And then it's still guiding you to the same place somehow. I think that's magical. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you speak to what's, what's really important is that resistance, right? That we all, we often have that resistance or approach some of these practices with a bit of resistance. And to your point, when we think about it, it's, it's directly affecting that ability to really tap into the external world as a vehicle to kind of go within, right? That I'm fine tuning that sound, I'm hearing it. How do I now turn that fine tuned awareness from the external to the internal to really start listening to some of the messages that we have for ourselves and with ourselves in that way and so yeah yeah it's 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 it's, it's a great way to approach it because you know i often tell folks and it's probably because i'm it's the lens i'm looking at the work through is sound but i tell folks that if you want to try one of these practices uh, particularly stillness practices try sound because i think that it gives you that ability to focus on something else that hopefully the sound can start to dampen some of those thoughts that you're having and it's okay to have, you know, I always tell that, like, you're not going to not think. So it's okay if if the day is running by. But eventually, as you continue to work with the practices and work through the practices, that that will become a, that chatter will start to quiet. And you'll be able to focus in on the sound. And from the sound, you can start to listen to some of the, that internal voice or what nada yogis tend to call. And, and we would think about like intuition or that, that internal voice they call it that internal sacred sound
2: mm,
0: beautiful
1: mm-hmm.
0: So tell us a little bit about the instruments that you use
1: Sure so <laughs> I uh, this has been fun quarantine has shifted that a little bit um, <laughs> <laughs> as you as, as I've been um, playing mad scientist to try to figure out how to best deliver this virtually you know that's also allowed me to shift a little bit in some of the instruments and so primarily, Um, I utilize the quartz crystal bowls, which are the typical large um, white bowls that folks typically see, Tibetan bowls. um, My favorite are gongs. (laughs) I love, 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 love the work of gongs and um, chimes um, in particular. And then I've been using this space to kind of explore different um, instruments that resonate in a lot of different ways. And then, you know, there's the shamanic drum that folks can utilize as well but i'm a little bit more tempered in when and how i use that but yeah uh the gongs are my jam They're my they're, <laughs> they're typically my my favorite uh instrument to utilize but just because of the sheer power of gongs and kind of the restraint you have to utilize to play it that isn't that you know we think about gongs we think about that stereotypical like bang or we're just hitting something really hard but There's a real nuance in actually playing it in a way that's uh, melodic. It's subtle um, and it's able to tap into kind of a different level of awareness. Mm
0: -hmm. So stop me if I'm asking a sound healer secret here.
2: No, you're (laughs) I want
0: to know. So when I guide meditations, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I have a loose idea of what I'm going to do and very much, something happens as I'm teaching whoever's in front of me, whether it's in person or virtual, and I feel like I tap into some sort of energy and I trust whatever words then come out of my mouth. I don't have a pre-planned script. And I'm curious, as, as a sound healer, is there like music and you're like, this is the music I'm doing today? Or are you coming in and working with what energy is present and these are the sounds that arise from that energy is it a mix of both
1: a mix of both i think that when we approach it we're looking at like there i might say like hey i'm going to use these particular bowls today this gong this quartz crystal bowl this kochi chime and i'll pull that together and typically i sit with it a little bit longer before i actually engage in a session but I literally let the energy of the session kind of guide that, right? The, now there's a particular arc that I typically use in terms of coming in very subtle, maybe increasing with that sound or the intensity of the sound, and then working kind of back down in a way that smooths the experience back out. But it's almost like when we think about yoga, there's a there's an arc to how you set up your class. And it's kind of like a warm up to a cool, all the way to a cool down. With a peak pose at the top. It's kind of, I look at it similarly, right? That it's if I know I'm gonna go real heavy and a little deeper with the gong, then how do I work work you up to that to feel comfortable and not startled by the energy of that particular instrument? And then how do I then work it down on the back end with a more smoother experience in that way? And so so yes and no. And this is you kind of just let the experience guide itself. I might say, like, well, I can tell by the way, and this is more for in-person, but we're figuring out how to do that virtually. Is like, I can see how three people are responding as I'm playing the gong. Let me ease up a little bit, or maybe I need to switch up because there's something happening in the room. Now that's shifted a little bit with the virtual offerings. It's kind of like, I got to go with the arc because I, I don't have that level of connection To literally lay eyes and see like, oh, I see you're responding. But with that, it just is a bit more of an intuitive lean into playing like that. But it's interesting you brought that up around meditation because as I've been exploring teaching meditation a little bit more, I had to reframe how I was thinking about that. Because when I first entered in actually teaching meditation, I was always like, I need a script. I got to hold on it. And until I made that kind of connection, I'm like, well, I don't really do that with sound. So it's the same, it's the same principle, right? To be able to just let the experience kind of guide the words that come out your mouth. Similarly, it's let's let the experience guide how and when I play and which instruments that I play. I'll put it all in front of me, but I'll let the experience guide in that way.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting because... You know, I mean, I guess we're geeking out, might be listening, but shifting (laughs) to that virtual teaching is so fascinating because, you know, if we're used to reading breath, we're used to reading Mm -hmm. facial expression and, you know, maybe we can see three or four boxes at the top of the screen if you're using Zoom. Maybe everybody's turned their cameras off or turned away so you can't see. And so it's, I find that I'm learning how to like, trust whatever i'm feeling is that a, what it, i'm supposed to be feeling and speaking to which is an interesting play when you're not in person with people so yeah i get that
2: yeah
1: yeah and what, what's been i think one of the lessons i have learning in the virtual space is just being open because that natural ability to really just see and read energy or space in the room mm-hmm is like the space open on the back end, maybe more than what you have typically to really hold space for people. Maybe no one stays after to chat, but, you know, being intentional, like, hey, I'll stay after an extra 15 minutes if you want to chat or, you know, there's additional information to connect with me. And I find in extending that, I do get folks that actually will reach out and want to have an additional conversation around their experience. And so it's been uh, an interesting exchange in how to really show up in a, in a different way. Um, but its I would say the virtual space is maybe a little bit more confident in that because it's like, let me just rock with what I'm feeling as I'm playing and we'll see what the reception is on the back end and just be available to hold space for people as they process the experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel that. So, you know, one of my, the particular lens that I approach meditation is through my own experience, of course, and it's very much rooted in, this like real life aspect of I've got a job, I've got a family. I I also am very type A and experience a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. and perfectionist tendencies around that. And so I use my tools of meditation to help me in these real life situations. And I teach from that lens. And one of the things I'm so drawn to about you is that you seem so beautifully to embody this, deeper spirituality and these deeper um, explorations of sound and yoga nidra. And somehow also in the midst of this, you're a Gallup certified strength coach and do coaching, which I feel like is such a, to me, it's seems I'm not a coach, but it seems very based in like, I've got goals I'm trying to achieve. I'm working, I'm doing these things. And so I'd love for you to talk about how you've married these these interests or these skills that you have.
1: Yeah. So that has been, um, part of the reason why I was always interested and for me, I, I, I approach a lot of this work from self exploration and personal discovery. Right. So when I think about coaching, that's, that's the reason why I leaned into the work is that I want to create space for people to figure out who the hell they are. Right. Like when in, in that way. And like, even as with students, you know, with my students at Morehouse, it's like, how do I create space to help you figure out who you are? Same thing with meditation and sound. It's like, this is fertile space for you to figure out who you are. And so for me, when I, it took me a while because I, I used to approach my work from a place of, you have too many hats and your hands all over the place. How do you feel? Like, how does this all even make sense? And when I figured out what the underlying connection was that helped me lean into the work and so a long answer to say with the coaching and the meditation that's actually i marry them together in the coaching session so um with my clients I'm, i have a very active coaching process in the sense that you know yes we have sessions um, that we work in and we chat through some of the activities but there's homework and there's work that you do on the in, in between sessions right and part of that homework is actually meditating right so um, Clifton Strengths gives you um, the Gallup program gives you your top five strengths, right? And a lot of that is based on who you are and how you show up in the world. And for a lot of people who just approach that for the first time, it can be a bit jarring to figure out, well, who said I'm, uh, you know, I have harmony as one of my top five strengths. Well, it's like, well, how do you start creating the space that you can, you know, internalize that and really work with them, maybe even see how that shows up. I think meditation is the perfect way to start to sit with some of these things that may show up for you, and maybe you start to realize how you can start to integrate it, integrate that in a specific way. And so, you know, I open up and close my coaching sessions with a five minute guided meditation. Homework part of that is within the next. You know, I try to space it out two weeks between sessions. Within this two weeks, um, dedicate at least three times to sit in that three weeks in which you are sitting with and reflecting specifically on your top five strengths or the conversation in which we've engaged in around those strengths. And so I think it makes sense in a, in a space where you are exploring identity and really leaning into that, that I think meditation is the perfect vehicle for folks to be able to do that work. And so it, 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 to me, it felt natural. It definitely felt natural.
0: I think it is natural. And, you know, I think perhaps that's one of my favorite things about working with students is watching them uncover that because Mm -hmm. so often, especially in media meditation is made to seem like so mystical and, and, and it can be, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I have felt very mystical experiences in my (laughs) own practice and in my everyday life, it has helped me understand who I am. It's helped me understand why I react certain ways or how I react and make shifts if I want to make shifts. And, uh, it, it's a very, to me, tangible and real-life useful tool for enjoying your life more. And you,
1: one thing that I've, I've been working with, especially as I've been talking more about meditation, is that I think one way we can help move meditation forward in a way that it is, I think, recognized more in different spaces and open is that it doesn't always have to be this sage mystical experience right and often it, it isn't right sometimes you can meditate and after you finish meditating you're like I feel like crap because some emotions came up <laughs> things came up and I'm figuring out how to handle and deal with and work with what just came up and then sometimes you're like I'm floating on a cloud and that's all part of the process right and so I you know when I talk to people about meditation it's like oh, I tried and I just did I didn't feel good afterwards so you know I didn't want to do it again and it's like well you know exploration isn't always fun personal exploration isn't always fun. But it's, it's, it's powerful work that can get you to another space, which can be really reaffirming and really helpful as you're navigating, to your point, in everyday life, right? That, you know, this, we don't have the ability to go sit in, everyone doesn't have the ability to go sit in the mountains and really just be immersed for, you know, three to four months, right? So how do we really create these conditions on a daily basis to really be able to, pick up and take out with us in the, in the actual real world to, to utilize with ourselves.
0: And you've created um, a lot of offerings that are out there. I think you have offerings on YouTube and maybe Insight Meditation Timer. Tell us where we can find some of the offerings that you've created.
1: Sure. So, sure. So offerings on YouTube, Insight Timer, if you look under Sean J. Moore, um, information is there. There are a few um, downloadable options on my website, com, and then there will be, I recently just wrapped up a four week series for National. Um, in a few weeks, that information will actually be up as classes that are available for people just to listen to or check out uh, whenever they have time. So check that out if you're a subscriber to Yoga International
0: as well. Awesome, that is yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, and then you. last question before we get into a little sound bath experience here for ourselves is, um, you have a podcast called the mindful rebel and I'm like completely and utterly love that title. And uh, so I want to tell this story real quick because <laughs> when you, I didn't know you um, when you started working at sacred chill West, Octavia auditioned you and, and hired you and she forwarded me your, inf- like the email that had your W nine and all the stuff for payroll. Cause that's the piece of the business that I kind of handle. And, and within that email was, the pictures that you sent for the website. And the first picture I saw, which you use often and and I love so much, is a picture of you and you're wearing a t-shirt that says half Buddha, half Biggie, I think. And I instantly was like, I already love you and I don't even know you. Like there's it just that photo spoke so much, and it's and so tying back to the podcast, Mindful Rebel. I was like, oh, of course that's what Sean would name it. Like, I love that. It's so <laughs> grounded and fun and immediately sparks my interest. So tell us a little bit about your podcast.
1: Sure, thank you. Thank you. I always joke and say, like, that shirt is like my um, <laughs> my practitioner uniform. Like, I love wearing, it's my favorite shirt to wear anytime I'm going out and doing things. But yes, um, the Mindful for Rebel podcast, it's been my baby. It's almost uh, about four years old. And it's designed to talk about that intersection of mindfulness and leadership. And I I feel like it's a great representation of kind of how I show up in the space. And that's the lens in which I look at the work. And one of the reasons why I started the podcast is that early on, I'm a self-help junkie. I listen to podcasts. I read those kind of books, you know, all of that. And what I've noticed is the common theme is that typically a lot of leaders, entrepreneurs, creatives, typically have some sort of mindfulness practice, whether they name it that or they don't, they are engaged in some sort of mindfulness practice. And so what I wanted to do was use it as a platform to converse with other folks who are in these spaces um, to talk about maybe how that mindfulness practice has helped them along their journey to where they are now. And so it's it's really evolved. First, it was very leadership heavy and kind of as I've moved in the work. It's focused more heavily on the mindfulness part. But it's really about just talking about people's journeys and having them share how they navigated through some of their tough times and really what practices or what experiences have really been beneficial for them in that way. And so it's I, I love it. And I always say I'm a textbook introvert. It's been, my, um, it's been my way of networking and really communicating with folks as well. But it's been moving for me because I feel like every time I'm interviewing somebody, it's like they're imparting something that I need to hear in that moment. And so it's, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's been a great experience. And it's given me a lot of insight on, one, the direction to take different stillness practices and different meditation and mindfulness practices, as I continue to share them with the community. Um, but it's also a great opportunity to create a resource that other people can share. And so for me, it's like, you know, hey, I can help you with some meditation. I can help you with culture. Or if you just like to listen, check out the podcast. But it just, it falls into in line of how do you create a space for self-exploration and personal discovery? The podcast for me is another one of those tools that I feel like people can engage in and really go
0: I cannot wait to listen to the next episode.
2: <laughs> thank and you. Thank you.
0: You have mentioned books a couple times, Meditation with Pema Chodra. And I also am a huge like self-help psychology book junkie. So um, I'm going to ask you to email me like your top five fave books. And I'm going to put it in the show notes because I bet everybody will be really interested. Will you do that?
1: I will do that. Okay, I will do awesome.
0: that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so we are going to share a sound bath that you have created and do you want to give listeners any guidance before we move into that portion of the podcast is there anything they should know is there anything they should do before we go into that
1: sure so what i would suggest uh is first making the conditions for you to just have a really immersive experience one connecting yourself to audio that is very high quality or clear. So even if you need to throw on some headphones, a high quality speaker, whatever you need to do, and then create a really relaxing space or nest for yourself that you can just really be. So if you need to close yourself in the room, tell the kids, the family, the friends to just leave you alone for a few minutes, do that. Um, But really just kind of create the conditions for you to relax and just be. um, If you're listening to this on your phone, put it on Do Not Disturb and just really immerse yourself and just relax into the experience.
0: Awesome. Sean, thank you for talking to us about sound meditation, about this intersection between mindfulness and creativity, mindfulness and leadership. It was so fun to get to talk to you in this way. And thank you for sharing a sound bath recording with us. I'm excited for everybody to listen.
1: Thank you, and I appreciate being able to share space with you in this way. Yeah, it really means
3: a lot.
0: My pleasure. All right, let's get into it, guys.
3: Begin your practice by finding a position or posture that makes your body as comfortable as possible. That allow you to feel support for the duration of your practice. Then begin to allow your eyes to gently close, partially or fully, and start to take a few slow, easy breaths. Relaxing any tension in the body. Noticing your body's own natural breathing rhythm and pattern. Maybe you can begin to rest one hand on the heart. One hand on the belly as a gentle reminder that we're bringing not only awareness, but affectionate awareness to the breathing and to ourselves, just knowing that through your practice, you can leave your hand in this position or allow them to rest gently at your side. And continue to watch and witness the breath entering the body. Feeling the body breathe in, and feeling the body breathe out. Noticing the nourishing feeling on the inhale. And the relaxing spaciousness of the exhale. And take a few rounds of breath, giving yourself the opportunity to just witness and watch this natural cycle. Noticing the rhythm of the breath. Flowing in. Flowing out. You feel the whole body subtly move with the breath. Gently rising and gently falling. It's okay if your mind begins to wander. As we begin our sound bath meditation, take a second to set an attention for your practice. Knowing that 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 intention is an opportunity to anchor you back in your practice in the instance that your mind begins to wander. And it will. Gently just ease into the breath. And allow the body Give the body permission to just relax. Begin to bring your awareness back to the breath. Noticing the quality and the rhythm of the breath. Releasing the attention fully onto the breath. Noticing the gentle rise and fall of the body No matter how you are seated or positioned for your practice, take a second to stretch out, stretching the arms and legs in opposite directions, bringing sensation and awareness into the entire body. Taking some gentle movement and motion across the body, whether that's flexing the feet, wiggling the toes, bending at the knee, flexing and extending the knee, rolling the wrist, gently making motion and movement in the neck And as you begin to slowly open the eyes, allow yourself to feel whatever has come up for you in your practice, taking note of the experience, but remembering not to judge the experience but allowing it to be what it is and what it was in that moment. And as we close out the practice, take a second to pay gratitude to yourself for taking some moments out of the day to recharge and relax. And thank you for allowing me to share this practice with you. Namaste.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, consider joining me for the recording of this podcast every Monday night during my live virtual meditation class. If you tune in for the live class, you get the bonus content that isn't included in the podcast episodes. There's always time for Q&A, and there's always the chance to connect with me personally. I would love to see your faces. And better yet, if you leave me a review of this podcast, screenshot it, email it to meryl at merylarnett.com you get your first class with me for free email your review to meryl m-e-r-y-l at meryl get your first class for free you can find out the schedule how to register all of that good stuff by going to my website merylarnett.com Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.